The Old Testament reading for this, the last Sunday of the church year, comes from the prophet Ezekiel, the 34th chapter. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture They shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I. I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. This is the word of the Lord. These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. The epistle reading comes from Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, the 20th, the 15th chapter. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted, who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. And this is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 
and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Are you shocked that Thanksgiving has come and gone already? Are you surprised to realize that next week is the first Sunday of Advent? I know I am. I mean, we knew it was coming. It's not like Thanksgiving could just pop up on the calendar at any time. It's been there. We've known about it all year long. But it still kind of caught us off guard, sneaked up on us, and surprised us, didn't it? And there are lots of things in our lives like that. Things that we know are going to happen, but they still kind of manage to surprise us. When you watch most action movies, you know the good guy is going to save the day, but it's still a surprise when we see how. When you watch the Jets play football, you know they're going to lose, but... You still watch to see which part of the game they're completely going to mess up on. In theory, we know that our children are going to grow up, and yet it shocks us when we just can't pick them up any longer. Things that we know will happen, things that shouldn't be a surprise to us, and yet they still are. And as we come to the end of the church here, as we look to the end of the world, the final judgment, the glorious return of Jesus Christ, we can put that day in this category as well. We know it's going to happen, and yet it's going to be something of a surprise to everyone. The Bible tells us that it comes like a thief in the night. It comes when nobody expects it. It comes when no radio preacher has put it up on a billboard. We're told that people will be going about their normal routines when, bam, judgment and the end of all things. None of this should be a surprise, because God's word tells us clearly, continually, what's going to happen. Not so we can follow it like a road map and say, ah, the moon turned to blood, so seven hours from now there's going to be a big fire, like some people try to do. Nobody but God knows the hour 
and the day, or exactly what's going to happen. And the end will come when nobody expects it. But God tells us all that we need to know to be prepared. So that when it does happen, we are not going to be running around going, Oh my goodness, what in the world is going on? And yet, that pesky, sinful nature gets in the way, and it muddles God's word in our heads. It blinds us to his clear truth, and it tries to convince us to follow lies instead. And so because of our sin, there will indeed be a lot of surprises when Jesus comes again, some of which we can see in our gospel reading today. Jesus gives us a vivid picture of the final judgment as he sits on his throne and sorts believer from unbeliever, the sheep from the goats. To those who did not believe, those who reject him and despise him, those who refuse to put his word into action, Jesus speaks words of dire judgment. He says, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. He cast them out of his holy presence forever, just as he said he would. And yet, the wicked will be surprised to learn of their fate. They speak to the judge. They talk to Jesus, and they ask, When didn't we do these things for you, Jesus? I mean, we gave to the poor. I was a kind and a tolerant person. I made a pledge to public radio. Doesn't all that count for something? They're shocked to find out that their ways are wrong. They have been told for so long that they should do whatever they want, that they are their own authority, that God's word simply doesn't matter. They've lived for themselves so much That as they stand before Jesus on Judgment Day, they are shocked to find out that in the end, someone else is making the decision. And that decision is not based on their feelings, on their identity, on any of their assumptions. They've bought into the lawless ways of the world, of the relative truth idea. And so they are completely surprised to find out that there is an absolute standard And they have fallen well short of it. They are surprised to learn that hell is indeed real. And that they have been very, very wrong. My vicarage pastor was very fond of saying, there are going to be a lot of nice people in hell. And a lot of surprised ones, too. There are a lot of people living in this world thinking that heaven is theirs. Many people think that they deserve heaven. Paradise is whatever you make of it, or it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. If you're a nice person, if you're a decent person, if you're at least better than that guy over there, well, obviously God has to love you, and obviously God is going to give you heaven, and obviously I'm not dooming myself to eternal condemnation. They are wrong. And there's no reason... For them to either be wrong or surprised. God's word is clear. And it is for everyone. 
And it says ever so often that it is by faith in Jesus Christ alone that you are saved. That it is a free gift from God alone that brings you into the eternal paradise of heaven. And that rejecting his holy word condemns you to hell. It doesn't matter how nice you are, how much you've given to the poor, how famous, how anything you are. Without faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are lost. You are the goat who is sent to hell. A place prepared not for people, but for the devil and his rebellious angels. A place of torment and unending pain. Even those who seem to be so good on the outside, even those who seem to be doing exactly what Jesus describes here, If they are doing it out of anything but Christian faith, it means nothing. Because as Hebrews tells us so clearly, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It does not matter how many sick people you visit. It does not matter how much you give to the poor. If you are doing it simply out of a moral obligation or doing it to earn points or doing it out of anything but Christian faith, yea, those acts mean nothing. When Judgment Day comes, sadly, so many sinners, so many seemingly good people, despite God's repeated warnings, will be utterly surprised. In fact, as we see in our reading, all sinners are going to be surprised. Those cast out of God's presence, they will be surprised to find out that their faithless works meant nothing and that hell is real. But the faithful sheep we will receive a different kind of surprise. To the sheep on his right, Christ the King will say, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. As we stand before Jesus' judgment throne, we too will be surprised. We will ask in shock, when did we do these things for Jesus? We're not standing before God holding up a list of all the times that we were good and saying, look at all these things I did, God. I'm such a great guy. You have to let me in. No. The good deeds actually happen naturally in our lives to the point that we don't really even remember doing them. We're not standing there patting ourselves on the back and saying, sure, I'm glad I went to the hospital that time. The deeds flow naturally. Not because we're such great people, but because we did not reject the faith that God so freely and miraculously worked in our sinful hearts. Because we did not turn away from the new creation that God made us that now wants to follow his word, that wants to do the things that are expected of us that wants to do good, driven by our Christian faith. As we stand before Jesus' judgment throne, we will be surprised to find out just how powerful our faith actually was. Our faith, not a need for works, that's what led us to live as Christians. Trusting in God's word, trusting in his promises, trusting that his ways are better than the ways of the world. 
That faith that sometimes wavered, that sometimes doubted, that sometimes got hidden away, that faith is not misplaced because the object of that faith, Jesus Christ, he is almighty. He is perfect. Our faith isn't, but Jesus is. And that faith given to us by God, that makes us a sheep, saved and loved by our Lord, freely welcomed into that eternal kingdom of heaven that God prepared for us from the foundation of the world. We are pleasantly surprised to be reminded that God is the one who has done it all, and we simply get to reap the benefits of his love. Ezekiel makes that so clear. God says, I will, in this reading, so much that it almost becomes monotonous. I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I will rescue them. I will gather them from the countries. I will feed them. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will seek the lost, and so on and so on. But who better to do the work than the almighty creator of all things? Who better to trust in than God who is perfect and holy, who has set and fulfilled his holy law himself? He doesn't leave anything for us to do because we couldn't do it well enough. We don't stand before God's throne and say, but I really tried. We stand there and say, I did nothing, but I trust in the blood of Jesus Christ because he's the one who did it all. He lived the perfect life that we never could, fulfilling his own law for each of us. He laid down his perfect life as a sacrifice to pay for all of our sin, paying the penalty of every transgression that we ever committed, every time that we failed. He rose again from the grave, conquering sin and death and the devil, putting all things beneath his rule, proclaiming himself to be the victor, and then giving us that victory. And he himself is with us each and every day. As with his word, he guides us through this wicked world of darkness and sin. As he refreshes and renews us daily by the waters of baptism, as he feeds us with his own body and blood at this altar, Jesus Christ has done it all. And when he comes again, we will be joyfully surprised to find out how wonderful a life without sin truly is. So often we think of heaven as just a really good day on earth, but it's so much better than anything we could possibly imagine. All the wicked things that we think are pretty neat, they are cast out completely. All the shameful temptations that plague us continually here on earth, they will not even be remembered. All the pain and the suffering and the sorrow and the guilt, all of it will be wiped away completely, and we will live in perfect eternal paradise, seeing God face to face, never ceasing to rejoice in his holy presence. Given our sinful nature, Given the fact that we have disobeyed and rejected God so many times, that's the real surprise of the last day. Because we certainly don't deserve paradise. But given God's love for us, given his promises, given his holy and eternal word, it's really no surprise at all. This is what God has told us will happen. 
This is what God gives us a foretaste of every time we gather together as a congregation. This is what we know with absolute certainty awaits us because God himself has promised it and he is absolutely true to his word. And so when the end comes, as Christians, we will be ready. Not in that we will know the date and the time and all the details of Christ's return. That will still be something of a surprise to everyone, even believers. But in faith, when the end comes, we will know what is happening and we will rejoice. We will stand before our Lord's throne of judgment with firm confidence. Not in our own works, but in his promise of salvation. And when our Lord speaks to us, there will be no surprise because we have no doubt of our destination, no doubt of his grace, his mercy, his love because he himself has won the victory. He has worked faith in your heart and he has given you his word of absolute assurance that by the cross of Jesus Christ alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins and eternal life in heaven is yours. Thanks be to God. Amen.